welcome to Voices in Between, the podcast with international voices on education and diversity. This is Christoph Knoblauch meeting educational experts and discussing perspectives in between ideas of true and false. Hi, welcome back to our podcast on diversity education. With me is Professor Singh from Ambedkar University. This is Professor Knoblauch speaking and we are going to topic, cover the topic of language diversity, diversity in languages today. Okay, thank you. Uh, so the linguistic diversity that you find in a country like India is almost unparalleled. Hmm. So there are very few countries in the world where you will find uh, this kind of uh, diversity. Uh, and I actually, you know, I began uh, my first master's degree was in uh, linguistics actually. So uh, what I will, you know, kind of talk about uh, is, you know, what is this linguistic diversity and also the linguistic diversity and the uh, very close relationship with the school system. Hmm. Uh, so in India what has, hap what has happened is that so there are about, uh, so it's almost like every decade that I look at the number of languages spoken. So when I teach, this is the, f you know, one of the first questions I ask. So how many, how many languages do you think are spoken? So, uh, you know, from 25 to 1,000, I get all, all numbers, 500, 200, 250. And um, so the answer is actually, it's very tricky to say exactly how many uh, languages are spoken in the country. Uh, initially, when I started reading, the number uh, that was given was 1800. 1800 languages. 1800 languages. In India. Huh. And, uh, but now, if you see, it's, uh, it says uh, 1652. Six, so 1652, I believe, is the number of languages that are spoken. That would be 1652. 52, yes. Huh. And it includes all kinds of languages. Huh. Um, so, now out of now, so you can imagine this itself poses a very big challenge in uh, many different ways. Now out of this, uh, so before I go on, I just want to say, you know, why this, why this number shifts. So what happens is that, uh, first of all, language census is not very common. Hmm. Uh, but when a language census is done, you know what a language census is, and right? like you go to uh, go from house to house and ask how many people. So you ask, uh, you do a language census. So when a language census is done, if a language has speakers that are less than ten thousand in number, it is not counted as a language. So ten thousand is the margin. Is the margin, yeah. huh? So uh, in fact, recently. Uh, I think in 2015 or 2016, there is a language called Bo in the Andaman. The last speaker of that language died. All right, the Andaman Sea. Uh -huh. yeah. uh, yeah. The islands. Uh, the so islands the so the language is called uh, was called Bo. So the last living speaker uh, passed away. So the language effectively is dead now. And uh, what? you know, people don't understand is that, you know, when people stop, languages are living, you know, they live as long as people speak 
the language and uh, you know you don't speak the language you know and 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 when a language is gone with the language is the whole you know the cultural heritage that has gone you know there's so many things you know there could be books there could be uh, you know generations of knowledge which uh, just goes because the younger generation does not know how to access it so that is one now what do we do with uh, and you know why this shift happens so this language shift is very very common uh, so what what do we do with these languages so uh, first of all what happens is that uh, you know a pyramid hmm. so at the ground level there could be these you know more than a thousand languages that are spoken but as you you know start looking at the use so the number kind of starts tapering off yeah. so uh, you would see so it is possible now i don't remember the exact number so newspapers across the country maybe are printed in these many languages uh, radio broadcasts are in these many languages so in some forms there could be more now you go higher up and uh, there are 22 languages that are recognized in the eighth schedule of india now what is the eighth schedule eighth schedule is the uh, it's it's a provision uh, in the constitution that allows for languages to be used as official language right. so for example one of the official languages uh, is odia so so in the state of odia the all the office work you know like you have all the paperwork in english is right. what you come across or in germany uh, german uh, so it could be in odia but there are only 22 such languages I so see. you so you see what has happened yeah. right from uh, more than thousands the it reduces so spoken languages of course are there languages in school are also there uh, radio broadcast print magazine newspapers and when you come to official yeah. it is 22 and uh, there are two co-official national languages do you want to make a guess which ones those are well one would be english and the other the is the other one i think hindi yes right. we don't have a national language yeah. we do have one which is german and that's the only official one so we actually have one official language that works with bureaucracy for example um, language which is used in schools so what i see um, please correct me if i'm wrong that English works as kind of a lingua franca all over India, or at least at ma as many parts, because as a state, you would have English as one of the official languages. Doesn't matter how many other languages they are spoken. Is that correct? Um, actually, English and Hindi both. All right. Uh, you English would work in many places, not in other places. See, in Delhi pretty much both would work yeah. but if you go to different parts of the country so for example if you go to parts of Uttar Pradesh uh, English will not work but as an official language in uh, offices would it work not necessarily not all offices okay. not all offices uh, but if you go to the northeast uh, English would work if you go to the south English would work so it varies all right. mm. 
it varies. Uh, even though all office work, so the government allows for the use of two languages and generally you will find, and actually, you know, for example, in fact, you may even find, it, it varies. It could uh, vary from office to office. Uh, now, so that is one aspect of, you know, this whole number, you know, the number game kind of. We don't have a national language. Now, the important question for us is, uh, this has also led to a huge hierarchy in how we see languages. So, literally it is English and other languages. Now, how does it play out in the education system? Because, uh, so, the in 1962, there was an uh, education commission, also known as the Kothari Commission. So what they had done, they had come up with a, something called a three-language formula. Because you see, when there are schools, there are school systems, and I had earlier talked about different boards. So you know, who decides what language gets taught in the school? So there were many variations of the Kothari Commission, but the three-language formula, you know, kind of implied that up to class two, the child will get education in the uh, first language or the mother tongue, whatever it is. Uh, then the child will have a second language, which could be the state language. Uh, so, for example, if it is uh, if if it is a child who's uh, you know speaking a tribal language, for example, in in Odisha, so child could be uh, speaking you know Saura, for example. So then the second language becomes Odia. Hmm. Now there is a third provision of a third language. So the third language could be a what they call a link language. Mm -hmm. So link language, it could be either English or Hindi. Right. So that is kind of, and you know, the, there were many variations uh, of this. There were also variations where it talked about that, okay, so people from the north should, you know, ideally be able to speak one language from the south. So there were, but in reality, what has happened is that uh, this whole thing of three language formula has really not worked. Because what has come up, uh, you know, the school system that I was talking about uh, is also the medium of instruction has come out to be huge. Hmm? Uh, so in this country, there are English medium schools, there are Hindi medium schools, there are schools uh, of other mediums, you know, for example, so there could be Marathi medium schools, uh, Hindi medium, Odia medium, so on so forth, you know, depending upon the different state. Uh, now, as you can imagine, uh, so somebody who is already going to an English medium school. So you see what happened. So if the instruction from the beginning starts in English, so they have just jumped over, you know, the, the three language formula, you know, the whole significance is gone. And uh, you will find, you know, most of the educated population you will come across, you know, like me and, you know, 
the faculty you see here, we've all studied uh, in English medium schools throughout. So my mother tongue, for example, is Hindi. I did not go to a Hindi medium school. I, Hindi was only one subject for me. You know, like you learn a foreign language. So that is all it was. And for my third language, uh, the only option at that time for me was Sanskrit. Okay. Which at least, uh, I don't know anybody who speaks Sanskrit. Yeah. But you would be taught the regular subjects, like let's say mathematics, geography, English, and so on in, in English, English. Everything yes. in English. Yes. So what has happened is that, uh, so that is that is one. So this has created this whole uh, hierarchy in the education system, where, as you can imagine, so English is you know quote unquote the language of the power you know, privilege, uh, access, uh, and mobility yeah. as well. Uh, that is one. Uh, so, and, you know, even other things, you know, if you look at, uh, if you are in higher education, if you're doing a PhD in science, uh, how much the how much money will the government have to do translations, etc.? So it, it also becomes a financial uh, reason that uh, other, you know, if, if a country has more than 1,500 languages, I don't think any government can possibly support, uh, you know, uh, everything in those languages. But unfortunately, what is happening is that we are not even supporting it at the primary level the way they should be supported. So, because, you know, for languages, it is also very important that you know, children have a foundation in their first languages. So I do, I do have a foundation in my first language, but for all academic purposes, I only use English. I don't use Hindi. So that is, uh, that is one. And uh, another, another, you know, very big issue is that uh, given the language context, I would say, you know, most Indians are bilingual or multilingual. Yeah. Do you observe certain biases or even discrimination on the basis of language use and language diversity? Yeah, uh, very good question. Actually, a lot of biases. In fact, you know, when I, uh, what I tell my students is that, see, whenever we talk about discrimination, at least in this country, we talk about caste, class, and gender. So these are the three paramount uh, that we come across. And I say, actually, if you look at the education system, uh, we have kind of sanctioned discrimination on the basis of language. How? Uh, first of all, it is a medium of schools. Now. If you take a profile of the country, most of the government schools are either Hindi or regional language schools. Uh, most private schools are English, medium schools. Hmm. So there is hierarchy right there. Okay, let me clarify for, um, mm -hmm. for the German listeners. <clears throat> the private schools obviously cost a lot of money in India, whereas the public schools run by the states are free, correct? 
Yes. Now, uh, only ha, except that uh, there is huge variations in uh, both. Now, government schools can also be English medium. Yeah. That's why I use the word mostly. Uh, in private schools also, there is a huge variation. So, there are uh, some what we call low-budget private schools catering to the lower class population. And uh, there are some really fancy schools and there are also schools that follow the international board. So they would be, uh, and living in Delhi, there are also embassy schools. So there are all, literally all kinds of schools uh, that are available. So what I'm saying is that uh, since most of the government schools are either Hindi or other regional, there are English medium also. So what has happened is that, and uh, if you look at, you know, uh, these government schools, huh? uh, you can see the kind of resources that have gone into these schools, the kind of resources that have gone into the private schools. So what has happened is that, because you see, uh, now coming from there, we also discriminate, so not only on the basis of the kinds of schools we attend, but also the way we speak a language. So for example, uh, not just the language you speak, hmm? uh, not just that I speak English or I speak Hindi or I speak Bangla or I speak uh, Assamese, uh, but also how I speak. Accent is also very important very important. So we also, so I'm saying we discriminate not only on the basis of language, we also discriminate on the basis of uh, uh, accent. So somebody coming from, you know, a very rural setting may have a very, uh, you know, uh, local accent yeah, sure. as opposed to somebody who has, uh, you know, who, who went to a good, uh, you know, private school and, uh, you know, has whatever so yeah we discriminate uh, in many ways uh, using language mm -hmm. so language diversity in the school system in society um, sometimes or sadly quite often as a form of uh, biased linked discrimination because you see the key thing is that uh, language is also our identity. Language is very closely linked to our identity and uh, when you discriminate and, and you know we can discriminate on many different grounds. I have not talked about script. So uh, you can discriminate individuals uh, depending on the type, the kind, variety of languages uh, they speak. Uh, you know, which is that which language they speak. You can also discriminate languages by, you know, the status you give them. So if it's a language, uh, so uh, if it is a language which is not given the resources, then you are discriminating the language and thus sure. the speakers of the language. So, you know, uh, so there, maybe there are 50 children belonging to one uh, village. Uh, there is one school and uh, these 50 children speak one language, uh, but the, the school doesn't have the resources 
to support that language. So all these children have to be taught in a different language. So, uh, so many, many ways of doing that. Um, but also, as you said um, very nicely, languages are living, so therefore they are something very vivid and um, obviously they are a crucial factor to our life, There's a, an element to our life and our learning. Thank you very much, Professor. Thank Singh. you. Thanks so much for listening. Looking forward to meet you back on Voices in Between.